0: This week's parsha is Parshas Achrei Meis Kedashim. In Parshas Achrei Meis there is a pasuk that says, U'shmartem es tukaysay v'es asher yasa oisam That you should safeguard my chukim, my mishpottim, my laws, my decrees that I have commanded you to do. V'chay bohem and you should live by them. And Chazal learned, famously. One of the big sugyas in Shas is Yeharav Al Yabar, and the reason why we only have to give up our lives by the three cardinal sins and all the other mitzvahs in the Torah we need not is because of this pasuk. The pasuk is telling us the Chayvahem and the Gemara d'ashim v'leih sheyamos you have to live by the Torah, and the Torah doesn't expect you to die. The Torah is not a book of laws like perhaps other religions have to have that glorify death and glorify martyrdom and glorify anything that has to do with giving up your life. That's not the type of religion that Judaism is. Yes, there are instances that people die as martyrs and they are tovation, but that's when they die for the right reasons. But if they die for reasons that are unnecessary to die, then that's not appropriate. So, the truth is just, you know, I should, I should put a footnote there, that there are Reshinam that say that there are certain individuals that have died in Jewish history even when it wasn't halachically appropriate for giving up their life. But sometimes if you're a gadol and you see that there is a certain weakness in certain mitzvahs or certain hanhagas and you feel like by giving up your life this will be mechazek khal Yisrael, there is an exception. But generally speaking, for the rank and file Jew, they're not allowed to give up their life. Unless it's uh, unless it's absolutely required by halacha, there's another exception, by the way, and that's if it's ha hashmad, then you have to give up your life even for a regular mitzvah. But Shalay b'shass hashmad, and and if you're not a gadol and you're not doing it for any other reason, v'chay The Torah says that you have to live by the mitzvahs, and you may not die. We don't want you to die. We have to continue to live. Our value in life is when we are alive and when we're able to learn and daven and do the right thing every single day, we value life. We value life. We don't value death. We honor those that are deceased, but that's not something that we are, you know, wow, I can't wait to die for Hashem. That's not the purpose of life. Our purpose in life is to live. It's not to die. And I wanted to just give one other perhaps homiletic chat in what the Chazal means when they say that the that when we have the Chukim and the Mishpatim and we have to live by them and we should not die by them. What does that mean? Perhaps it means that our perception, our way of looking at Tyra Our perception of looking at the lifestyle of a Jew, of a from Jew, is that we should look at it like this is living. This is a What I'm doing is, I have a life. By the fact that I'm choosing to live like a Jew, this is the ultimate and greatest expression of what life is. So, as opposed to perceiving myself as, it's death. What does that mean? It's very easy for all of us, all of us, but perhaps may be you who are living in the prime of your life, your Bachrim, and you have everything going for you, Baruch Hashem. It's very easy to look at perhaps classmates that you had when you were in high school, elementary school, and you look at your divergent paths in life that you're taking or that you've taken. And you chose a life of Torah, of mitzvahs, of learning, of halacha, of shmiras, ha-mitzvahs, ba-halacha, and perhaps, probably inevitably, you have friends that chose a different path in life. Perhaps they chose to go to a secular college. Perhaps they chose a different type of post-high school experience than you did, and their lives are radically different than yours. And sometimes you think, like, okay, it's true that I am from Baruch Hashem, it's true that I'm learning, it's true that I'm midactic in halacha, but man, you know, those guys really have a life. They're so lucky. I mean, you know, they're able to go to these colleges and do mashalivam chafetz, they have no restrictions like I have. They're not midactic in, in any types of uh, Shmira seinayim, Shmira Saguf, Shmira anything. There's no, uh, there's, no, there's no boundaries for them. They could do whatever they want. They're living the dream. Okay, I'm hopefully going to get Eilam Haba, and I know that this is what the and shulam gets nachas from, what I do every single day, but in Eilam Haza at least, maybe my Eilam Haba will be Alichthig Eilam Haba will be a bright, illuminated Eilam Haba and theirs will be very bad, very black, Rechman But in this world, I think it would be excusable and understandable if at least we'd look at ourselves as being a little bit hamstrung in the chiyas department. They're enjoying Eilam Haza and we're not. They are having a life, they're living up, you know, they're... Their fantasies, their imaginations, their dreams, their aspirations in terms of this world, and I am, you know, al kiddush Hashem, I'm giving up my life in order to sit in yeshiva and learn, and I think this is a very common perception that many of us might have, and understandably so, and there are two ways to go forward from that, that notion. The first thing is to say, it's true. And I'm going to get more schar for that. The fact that I was able to concede my desires for the Rabbeinu Shalom, I surrendered them so that I'm able to sit in yeshiva and learn. It's true that I'm sacrificing a lot of my geshmak in life, but I'm doing it for the Rabbeinu Shalom, I'm going to get schar, I'm doing it with shema. my Elam haber is going to be great, and they have this world, I'll take the next world. That's one way to approach it, and that's okay if that's the way you want to approach it. The real approach, in my opinion, is to understand that it's a fallacy, and to understand that it appears that they have the life and you don't, but in reality, don't be surprised if they're looking at you and saying, boy, you have the life and I don't. It might seem like fun what they're doing. It might seem like they're having enjoyment and pleasure and and the time of their life. And maybe that's even the way they express it to you if they're ever describing what they're doing up there or there, wherever it is. But in truth, I think even in their minds, you have the better life. There's a Gemara... In Brachis, very famous Gemara at the end of Mesechus Brachis, one of the last dafim on Samachala from a days, and the Gemara says that when the Malchus Har- Harusha, when the evil empire of Rome started making their decrees, enacting their decrees against learning Torah, Rabbi Akiva went and he defied their decrees and he learned Tyra he was makil kehillis he assembled large crowds and gave shiurim to the masses against the Romans' will obviously this is punishable by death Rabbi Akiva knew that if he would get caught and a fellow by the name of Papus ben Yehuda approached Rabbi Akiva and he says Akiva Aren't you afraid of the Romans clapping you, that you're going to get caught doing this illegal activity? So Rabbi Akiva answers him, Popus, Let me explain this to you with a mushal. Once upon a time there was a, a fox, a shuo, that was going by the side of a, of a river, by the bank of a river. And he looks down at the fish in the river and he probably wanted to have lunch. He wanted to eat the fish. So he says to the fish who he saw like scurrying from place to place in the waters, What are you running away from? So they said, We're afraid of the nets. There's all types of fish traps around here. There's nets, there's things that we could get caught in. Hooks all around us and uh, different types of traps. And we're, we're going like this and this and that in order to avoid those traps. So the fox says to him, to the fish, ya keshem The sly fox says to the fish in the water, would you like to come out on shore and we'll live together just like our my father and your father lived together. We'll live together also. Meaning he was trying to lure them out of the water by saying you'll be much more comfortable, you'll have a much more enjoyable experience being out of the water where there are no traps. And the fish say back to the Shua as follows. Amrulayit. You're the one that they say that you're the shrewdest of all the animals. You're not wise, you're not clever, you're a fool. If we're afraid for our lives in a place that we could live, a fish can only survive in water. Fish when it goes out of the water can't survive. You think we're going to be less afraid to come out of the water? It's ridiculous. What kind of piku is this? It's ridiculous, it's foolishness. And the gemara continues and says that Rabbi Akiva explains when I am gathering the masses to learn Torah, I have to do this. I I could possibly die. It's true, I could possibly die. But the Torah is my life is dependent on the Torah. If I learn Torah, at least this is my water, this is where I'm living, and this is my habitat that, that I could survive in. So I, I'm alive. It's true, if I get caught, I'll be dead, but if I come out of the water of Torah and I don't learn, I'm for sure dead. And it says, interestingly, that. It wasn't that many days. Achetavsul, Rabbi Akiva, and Itaka got caught, as we know Rabbi Akiva. This is when he died the terrible death that he died in. And, but Papas also got caught for doing something random, something not tire related. And he says, Papas says to Rabbi Akiva, Miha vi you are so fortunate, Rabbi Akib. We're both here in jail. We're both going to die. But you got caught. You're dying, Al-Kiddush Hashem, for teaching Tyra, and I'm caught for smuggling, for income tax evasion, whatever it is. That's why they're putting me to death. You are fortunate, and look at me. Woe is to me that I wasn't kichat al Tyra. Taira. Just parenthetically, before I get to the point that i bring out with this Gemara, whenever I see this Gemara about Puppus' reaction, that Rabbi Akiva, you're so fortunate that you were trapped al Taira and not al-Divarm I think of a story that happened a couple of years ago in Lakewood, New Jersey. There was a certain uh, bacher, and he was... I saw pictures of him after. It was a very, you know, good-looking, nice, very fine, but clean-cut. And he was a t- he was in a restaurant with a bunch of friends. They were making a sudas prada for one of their friends that were going somewhere, leaving yeshiva. And they were all Talmidim in Lakewood. And they were taking this friend out to a restaurant. And they were enjoying. They were having a good time together. And all of a sudden, there was a... Um, this boy noticed that it's almost, let's say, 8 o'clock, and it's time to, for a night seder. I have 10 minutes to get to my chavrusa to start a night seder. So he whispers to us that they were only up to, you know, the main was just being served or whatever, and he didn't want to miss nightsader. night seder. He started, you can't leave now. They didn't serve the main, or they didn't serve the dessert yet. The cake didn't come out. The speeches aren't over. And, okay, so you'll miss a night seder. What's the big deal? And your chavrusa will understand. So he thought about that for a split second. says, no. He says, my chavrusa is waiting for me, I'm out of here. He says, here's my credit card, you take my credit card, pay for whatever I owe, you'll give it back to me whenever you see me next, and I'm out of here, goodbye. He goes back to the base medrash, drives back, sits with his chavrusa, and whatever it is, let's say half an hour into night Seder, this bachar has a massive heart attack, and he dies in the base medrash of Lakewood. And it's obviously a terrible, terrible, unthinkable tragedy. And but he was given a hesbid like they would give a hesbid for like a, for a shach, because here was a bacher that died over a stender in Lakewood, learning with his chavrusah by night. He was mamash a kaddish, and all the rosh shivas came and were misha and. And then it came out that this was the story. And somebody wisely commented that let's say he had not made the right decision. Let's say he had stayed in the restaurant that night, and assuming that this was the moment that he was going to die, he would always be known as the bucker that died in the restaurant. Not in a restaurant, you know, he was eating uh, Chinese and he died over his uh, you know over his Chinese dish. That's how he'd be known. Because he made the right decision, he died. But he died in a base medrash while learning Torah, and for a history, we'll record that this was the boy. Everybody, every time you mention up, oh, he was the boy that died over his Gemara in it. That's like an amazing thing. So I always think about that whenever I hear a thing of a Papas Pupus was Ashrecha Rabbi Akiva. and it We're all going to get mitzvahs. We're all going to die someday, but halavai we should be able to die bnei tira, learning tyra. Imagine the kiddush hashem of being able to that when when our time is up, whenever that should be, we should live long, prosperous, healthy lives. But whenever our time should be up, we should be engaged in tyra, not physically learning tire but being bnei tyra, people, doing the right thing always. So if Gifter says on this gemara explaining a little bit more deeper than Mashal Rabbi Akiva about the fish. He says that if you ever see fish when they come out of water, I used to, when I was young, I was a very avid fisherman, believe it or not. And I lived in Long Beach and I, I used to go to the dock over there and I used to, in the summers, I would spend a lot of time fishing. I was pretty good at it and I went on boats and fished. I enjoyed fishing. Today, I morally have a problem with like pulling the fish out of the water and like you know, just to throw it back is something not, not nice about it. But, uh, but back when I was a kid it was a very fun sport. And, uh, and I would eat a lot of the fish by the way also. I knew how to clean it. I brought it home. My mother used to fry it up. But, uh, as if that's better. But, um, so, what happens when you pull a fish out of water? So if you've ever seen it, the fish starts flapping around like crazy. The fish goes into what's called rigor mortis. If anyone's taken biology, it's like the throes of death. Before a fish actually just stops flapping around, it's like it's going crazy. It's jumping like all over the deck of the boat or whatever it is. It's flapping. Even if you're throwing it in a bucket, it's like the water is splashing all over. And if a person examines this fish, they say, wow, this fish... If let's say you didn't know anything about these you say, well, this fish is a levitic of fish. It's a lively fish he caught. It's amazing. Like, look at how much life he has. That's chiyas, g'shmak of fish he got. Save that fish for Shabbos. You know, that's a really, that's a chiyas dig of fish. That's the v'chayban. What the person doesn't know is, that's not life, that's death. It looks like they're so active and moving and having a great time, but that's the throes of death. When you see a fish that just seems like it's just moving, like in a fish tank, you know, they just move like that slowly. You think, like, that's death, that's life. They're alive. They're not flapping all over the place, but they're alive. And Rabbi Akiva was saying that the world's perception of, a, of life is not our perception of life. When you see a fish that comes out of water... You think that it's alive? It's dead. And when you see, Rabbi Akiva was saying to Papas, people not engaged in learning, you think that that's life. That's death. When we're engaged in tyrant, it seems like we're having a death march. We're not able to like enjoy life. Kihem <speaking in Hebrew> chayenu. That is a life. That's a life. It's interesting here. Shamsher Hirsch says on the Pasch of the L'Rei that just like Dagim in the Yam if you look at the ocean you wouldn't see the fish below you'd think that it's just a, a dead place the ocean but when you have a scuba diver and it goes down you see like the beautiful fish and the corals and everything is moving and beautiful different colored fish and octopus and, and, and sharks and, and eels and there's so much going on it's alive it's beautiful down there but from the Average person's eye looking at an ocean, you don't know what's going on, you think it's just death. He says that that's what Kla Yisrael, that's the bracha that Kla Yisrael got from Yaakov Avinu. The Yidgula right? You should be like fish in the sea. Nobody should be able to look at us and know what really is going on. They should look at us as being, you know, these people that, you know, dress conservatively, act conservatively, you know, just very, you know, almost like we have no life. But they don't realize that what a Shabbos table looks like, what a Yantav table looks like, what a Simchas Herah looks like, what a Purim looks like, what a Chanukah looks like. They don't know. They just see us as like not alive. But they don't realize the beauty inherent in being a Yid. And that's what I think it means, the V'chaibah em'leisha Malaysia him. That it's important not just to understand this on an intellectual level, that yeah, you know, we have a life, but to feel that our life is really a life. Don't look at your life like I'm dead, but okay, it's going to be good. Chalk it up to being from, but it's death. It's alive. When you see people that are partying and clubbing and going here and going there and doing whatever they want, and it looks like, wow, they have a life, I think we would all be very surprised. It would be a big eye-opener to know that it's not always what it seems. That those people that seem so alive, that's really the throes of death. and neshama is dying, so they're like doing whatever they can to, you know, to be able to feel like they're alive, but it's really, it's not life. Miles, I didn't mean to, um, sorry, um, but he reminded me yesterday of a part that I said last year, that also from Shankar Hirsh that um, a beautiful vart, he speaks about on Yom Kippur, the Avaydah of Yom Kippur. And he says that on Yom Kippur there is a, uh, there's two seirim, two goats that were brought as part of the Avaida, the great Avaida of Yom Kippurim, And there was a lottery that was cast, which goat? These were two identical goats. And whichever one had the lottery that was Lashem. La had the privilege of going and being shefted on Yom Kippur and the Besah Mikdash. The other Sawyer that had the lot drawn, La zozo was brought out to the desert and basically thrown unceremoniously or ceremoniously off a cliff and was left there for death. So Shamshuf al Hirsch paints the picture so beautifully. And he says that imagine as the Sawyer La zozo is being taken out of the Beis HaMikdash. He got Lazazo.' He, he doesn't know exactly what his fate is, but he sort of, let's say, sees the fate of his Chavrusah, the sayer that went Lashem. And he says, oh boy, whoa, I dodged the bullet. I could have been the one Lashem. and he's going to be slaughtered, he's going on the Mizbeach, and I, I'm the seyer of they're taking me out for a nice Shpatzir. I'm going out to the desert. I'm gonna to get, get to see uh, you know some nice scenery out there, I'm gonna check out the cacti, and you know, maybe we'll see some camels out there. It's gonna be a lot of fun. It's a, it's a vacation. Baruch Hashem, I got that La Zazo, and I wasn't La not La Shem, oh that's 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 a, you know, that guy was really that our bad luck, bad karma all around that soyer. But me, I'm La Zazo, I'm going out, getting fresh air. And all of a sudden he comes to this cliff and he says, Wow, nice scenery, and Boom! He's off. And he's dead. Rashamraf al Hirsch sees in this a tremendous lesson in our lives. And it really is, I think, a perfect you know example of what we're talking about today, and I thank Miles for reminding me that this is what our life is. We those people that see us we're the Sarah Lashem Nebuch they're quarantined in this uh, you know institution and they they have to study those ancient Talmudic texts all day and they all you know shake and they pray and they you know do all these rituals and we're going Lazaz, we're going out we're partying we're doing what we want when we want it's a alike we have and they don't realize that the Sarah that went Lashem was Lashem he was Nikra v'al Hamas but on the Anyam Kippur you can imagine what the the holiness of that sir was that so the 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 fate of that sir was Hashem. He was mitfastal devre Taira. his life was was a terrific of life and a terrific a death The sarla zaza looks like it's fun it looks like it's a spazier, It looks like you're getting a vacation but that's not life that's death you're going to be sent off a cliff. And this is really the, the way that we should be looking at our life. Yeah, we can look at the choices that we made in life as being one of temporary death, but for the purpose of a better cause, of a greater a greater good. Or we could actually perceive it as being, no, we have the life. The Torah is the life, the Mitzvah is a life. We're not being deprived of anything. They have no idea of what we're doing. They have no idea of the simcha that we have when we're learning, when we're davening, when we're doing the right thing, when we feel good about ourselves, when our neshama is is flying high. There's nothing that compares to that. And what seems to us that they are living a life that's really a life. It's just a slow death. It's just rigor mortis. It's not, it's not as geschmack as it seems. There's once a very big rock star, and he had like the whole world in his hands. He was every, you know, these rock stars, they mamish live, the Spitz Eilam Hazel. Spitz Eilam Hazel. There's no one great, everyone, oh, he's a rock star. Rock star means you mamish can do anything you want with anybody at any time. That's what a rock star is. And then he wrote a song. And the song basically goes that I'm gonna sub, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sing it, of course, and I'm not gonna even, you know, I'll paraphrase what the Bart was, but he says that I don't get no satisfaction, which is a Haidah, It was a Haidah, that as much as I, it seems like I'm the most satisfied person in the world. I mean, who, who wouldn't want to be that person in this world? But he's being reminded that it's not a, it's not a life of satisfaction. It's not, contrast that rock star with somebody that I heard at a dinner, at a Cairo dinner, who was the first member of the Chaim Berlin The Chaim Berlin was started by Rav Huttner many years ago, I think 50 years ago. And it was called Cairo Borari after one of the famous farm of the Marau. We know that Rav Huttner was one of the biggest um, people that popularized the Marau in our dark. And so he named this the Kailal after, after Gerarie, Kailal Gerarie. And this was, he was already in Chinuch, this, this fellow. He didn't necessarily plan on going to Kailal. The Rav putner asked him to be the first member of the Chaim Berlin Kailal. So it means that he had to leave his paying job, a, a decently paying wage as a, as a Rabbi in Yeshiva, and he loved being a Rabbi, to go back into Kailal and to basically make a pittance make a small amount of meager substance, uh, meager, you know, amount of money. And he did it. And it was a very big mysterious average. Today it's very in vogue. Like everybody, you know, you get married, and I'd say, you know, I don't know, good 50, 60, 70% of guys, generally, they start off marriage, Baruch Hashem, learning. Might be with college, without college, whatever. But people... The, the trend today is, whether you're very from, whether you're Hasidic, whether you're non-Orthodox, a lot of people, a lot of people start off marriage today learning a year or two, some more. And that's a great way to start off a marriage. It's, it's the right way to start off a marriage if you can pull it off. But then it was like nobody did that. You know, today you have a chevre of people that are doing it. So it's, it's easy. It's, it's like a, almost expected. But then nobody was doing it. So it was really hard. It was a big mysterious nefesh then. And people probably thought he was crazy. You're giving up a job to go to Kayol. And when no one did this and says it's going to fly, it's not going to work. And who's going to support you? Anyway, he did it. And he said by the dinner the following line. And I love the line. He says people were feeling bad for us that we were living on such small, meager amounts of money. And he said that my wife and I, when we were in Cairo, those great years, those wonderful years, were not, were never less satisfied. We were just satisfied with less. I love the line. I just thought it was so well put. We were never less satisfied. We're not less satisfied living a tyrannical life. You just become satisfied with less. So a person that makes a billion dollars a year, everyone is idolizing, he has everything, whenever he wants, whatever he wants, he's being made there that he has no satisfaction. And a, a poor Kailo fellow who is struggling to get by to pay his monthly rent, but he's living a la Tarev, He's saying, he's admitting that he was never less satisfied. He was just satisfied with less. He was satisfied always just with less. Do you see the difference? One has a life and one has death. But it's not the one that you might have thought before the shmooze that had a life and had death. You would probably put it, put the picture of life and death in, different, in the wrong place. But now that we understand a little bit how our life is really a life, if we live the right way, if we have the right perception of what we're doing, if we appreciate that asherenu Matayib Chalkeinu, how fortunate we are, and we don't, we're, we're not deprived. We're not less satisfied than those friends, we're more satisfied. We're just satisfied perhaps with less. Then it gives the impression when we're really living every day, that the perception has to be that I'm living with the Torah. I have a life, but don't look at it like you're dying. Don't look at it like you have no life and they have a life, but, okay, I'll take one for the gipper. This is, I'm, I'm going to live my life, but it's for God. And I'm not, it's not, my. I have no life. I'll get, I'll give them my it's not true. Once upon a time, Rav Shach, the Rashiva of was davening in Yeshiva on Shabbos morning, and he went over after davening to a Talmud, and he said to him, you know what Gehenim is? You know what the definition of Gehenim is? He says, Gehenim is when on Friday night, you're in your apartment, and you're thinking and learning and you have a Kiddush in the Rambam that you just came up with. But you want to look up the Rambam to see the wording of the Rambam just to make sure that it, that it makes sense, that it fits in with his Lashon. You think that it's the right Lashon, but you're not sure a thousand percent. And you want to look up the Rambam, but you have a Shabbos clock on in your apartment and all the lights are, are off. It's pitch black. And you can't see the Rambam. He says that is the definition of Gehenna. That's Gehenna. So this person says, oh, "That's okay. That's in thank you. You know, it's good to know. Thank you." <laughs> so, and then, like you know, he's bothered by it. So he bumps into Rav Shach's son-in-law, who Rav Shach was staying by that Shabbos, and he says, "You know, your shver, your father-in-law, told me something that's a little bit strange. I mean, you know, I didn't ask him about it, but..." And he repeated what Rav Shaf had told him. And Rav Bergman, his son-in-law, Rav Shaf's son-in-law, smiles. And he says, that wasn't just Stam. My father-in-law didn't just Stam like pull that out of the hat. It happened to him. See, last night, I was already sleeping in bed. It was very late at night. And all of a sudden, I hear like somebody jumping on the kitchen table. And I didn't know where whoops. was. So then I I went back to sleep, and all of a sudden again, I hear like jumping on the kitchen table. Who's jumping on the kitchen table? Is there like a cat in the house? Like, whoa, who's in the kitchen? Who's jumping on my table? So I got up, and I go into my kitchen, and I see my father-in-law. And the entire apartment is pitch black. But there was a little light bulb On the top of the dining room table, a very, very dim light bulb, all the way up on the ceiling. Rashak was a very short man. And I see my father in law with a Rambam in his hands, standing on the kitchen table and jumping with his Rambam, trying to catch a glimpse of a word of the Rambam, but to no avail, to no success, it was too dim. And he jumps again and again until he could finally, hopefully, catch a a, a slight look at the Rambam. And so, when he told you that this is Gehenna, he didn't just um think about that. That was Gehenna for him. That's Gehenna. That's Gehenna. For a person like Rav Sha'ch, his life was Tyra. He didn't just. Learn Tyra to get three credits in college. He didn't learn Tyra to get a, a great up. He didn't learn Tyra because it's the right thing to do. He learned Tyra because without Tyra he wouldn't be able to live. It was Gehenna for him to not learn Tyra. Reb Baruch was once at a meeting and somebody was speaking. Somebody was like a keynote speaker. And he was saying, like, you know, he's giving a drush of fire and brimstone. And he says, this person was saying, Tyra is oxygen. Tyra is our oxygen. Meaning that you need Tyra to live. And that was like, I think of that, I would have given that a check. And he probably thought of Barth Barr, you know, approved it also. Tyra is oxygen. It's very, very nice, Barth. And Rebbe HaFer gives a clap on the, on, on the table that he was sitting at, and he says, I am making a machal. I am protesting what you just said. You said that Torah is oxygen. Name! Torah is not oxygen. Torah is chayim. Torah is not merely oxygen. Torah is actually the life that we're living. Oxygen is just a attempt to live. But it's not life. No one will say oxygen is life. No not oxygen. We, our life is our life. Oxygen enables us to live. That's not what Tyra is. Tyra isn't something that enables us to live. Tyra has to be our life. Taira is life itself. V'chaibah means that we have to understand that when we're learning Tyra, that gives us a pulse. That gives us a heartbeat. That gives us vital brainwaves. We're alive by virtue of the fact that we are Shemrei Taira The Chaibayim is, is not just a mandate that you must live and you don't have to, you shouldn't be meisir nefesh for certain mitzvahs. That's the of chat in the Pasuk, and that's very important. But the underlying message of the Pasuk, the spirit of the Pasuk, is that you have to perceive it as the Chai bahem. You have to perceive the Chukim and the mishpatim as this is my life. I have a life because I'm a ben I have a life because I put on filling every day and I wear a, I wear tzitzis. And I eat kosher. And I honor my parents. And I shake a little of an Esrug. These are not rituals. This is my life. And there's a very big difference between just doing things and living things. We could do things day and night. What do you do? I do Taira. I do Yeshiva. I do Mitzvah. I did, I did fill in today. I did Lulab an Esrig. You're not doing things. If you think you're just doing it, that means it's a chore. You have a list of chores. You've got to check off the boxes. That's what it means when you say, I'm doing it. If you're living it, it's different. Living it means that it's in my blood. They used to say if you cut open Rav Aaron, if you would cut open Rahman or Aaron Cutler's veins, blood would not come out. A Rashva would come out, a Ritva would come out, a Kitsais would come out, and a Sivas. That's what was coursing through his veins. His life was not a life because he ate and he drank. His life was not a life because he went on vacations once or once or twice a year. His life was not a life because he had a nice bekisha to wear, or they had a nice hat, or that he got honor. His life was a life because he was able to be an Abad Hashem. Because he was able to serve the Rubin Ishraam and understood that this is my life, this is my Gishmach, this is what I want to do, this is what I need. Everybody in this room, we all do Taira, we all do mitzvahs, we all learn and we daven Baruch Hashem, if we would do nothing but that, that would be very exemplary. But I think that really to take it to the next level, all of us, we have to stop doing and start living. And when we understand that this is my life, like, get it into our heads that what I'm doing is really a life. I'm living it. I'm loving it. This kishmak Shabbos is not something that I never have to stop 25 hours of texting and you know. But God is giving me a lot of reward. You shouldn't even. We shouldn't even be thinking about wanting to text on Shabbos or checking our emails or checking our whatever. Shabbos is a, is, is something that we should enjoy. We should love it. We should look forward to. It. We should savor every moment. It's Shabbos. But we get into this trap of so much, too much ex- exposure to the world around us and too much thinking that life, current events, politics, stock market, money, grades, graduate school, that's life. Tyra is like a nice pastime. It's something that I do it for God, but that's not my life. And that's a fatal flaw in us. That just means that we're in dullest too many years. But a real Yid who, who's a real Yid is somebody who lives for Tyre Mitzvahs. He just, has a, he just loves it. He lives to daven. He lives to learn. He lives to do Mitzvahs. He lives to, to, to bake matzahs and to shake a little of an esri to find that perfect esrog. They love doing that. There are people in this world that love that stuff. There are people that do it because I have to. I have to be seen and sure the a little of an What am I supposed to do? Alright, so I'll give a hundred dollars for an, a lemon, a glorified lemon, and, and we're off to shul. There are people that say, that's not a glorified lemon. That's a mitzvah from the rabbinic realm. That's a prietah. I'm going to start on Russia Hashan- from from the first day of a uh, second day of a tshuva, third day of a tshuva. I'm going to shop for that perfect esrid, and then when I get that, I'm going to find that lulav, and then I'm going to find those hadasim that are mudarem. And I'll rub this so here and there and get uh, multiple sets maybe and whatever, try to go around on, 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 on Sukkot and find the gonna this Asher, that estrogen. I want to do it with a Geshmaq. I don't want to just do it, I want to live it. And those two things, doing something and living something, is the difference between Shemaim and Aritz. That same difference that exists between Shemayim and Aritz exists between just merely doing something by, because I have to and then living something. I've never seen somebody... I think Rabbi Salanti used to say that many times I've seen people scream out the window of a shul, Mincha, Mincha, because they need a minion. He says, but I've never seen somebody scream out of their dining room r- window, Suda, Suda, come into my house for a meal. And the same thing is true when it comes to this. I've seen many times people talking about living for an upcoming vacation. I'm going skiing. It's going to be Gashma. I'm going to Veil. I'm going on these black diamonds. I'm going to up and down. I mean, There's a whole day, a whole thing, and it was a Chevre. I've seen that many times. I've seen people going down to Miami with a Gashmach. I've seen people going to Eretz with a geshmak. Seen people watching movies with a Geshmach. But rarely do I see people that really describe with a passion the mitzvahs that they do. You see it, you find it. There are people out there. I'm sure you've all seen in your life, maybe you're one of them. But those people that really look forward to doing a mitzvah, that yomtiv is a yomtiv, and that Shabbos is the Shabbos. And that learning Tyra is learning Tyra. Those are real people with real lives. They don't just do it because they have to, they do it because they need to. It's, it's, it's like if they're not in, if they're not doing it, they're like a fish out of water. They're not comfortable not living in the world of Tyra. Radar Aaron Kaller once had a very close Kalabas who gave a lot of money to Lakewood, to his yeshiva. And Ravaran Kotler wasn't afraid of anyone. So even though this person gave a lot of money to Lakewood, he wasn't above reproach by Ravaran. And Ravaran pulled him aside one day and said, you know, Rabbi Yid, I love you, but I want to tell you something. You're not learning enough every day. You should make another Seder every day and learn. So, the Balabas, you know, heard what he said, and he, you know, he didn't like being criticized, I guess, like, just like none of us do. And he says, Why do I have to sit and learn more? Why do I have to sit and learn at all, for that matter? The Rashiva always tells us, Balabatim, by all these parlor meetings for Yeshiva, that if you support Tyra, if you give money to Yeshiva, may have asked M'Shana, all of the Torah that you supported will be in your head. So you're going to be up in Shemayim and you're going to be able to be conversant in Ravikiv and Kitzay's and Sivas, in Rashvas and Ritvas. You'll be proficient. You'll be mamish like the best guy in Lakewood. Even though you hardly ever learned a word but you supported Torah. It's magi'elachah to sit mamish and in Shemayim, in the Beis Medrash, Shemayim, I know everything, as if you mamash were sitting, I'll have your whole life in the Beis Medrash. So if that's true, I give millions of dollars to Yeshiva, why are you telling me that I have to sit and learn here? My Elam Haba is secured according to the Reshiva. So what do I need? Leave me alone. So Rav looks at the Balabas with his fiery blue eyes, and he says to him, I'm not talking about your Ilam Haza, about your Ilam Abba. Your Ilam Haba is quite secure. You have Abba wrapped up. That's a given. I'm worried about your Alam Haza. I'm worried, how are you living in this world? What does that mean? How he, he, he has a jet plane, he has a private jet, he has a, a yacht, he has a mansion, he has four cars, he's got an office, he's got a, you know making millions of dollars a year fancy suits oh, he's worried about I don't, know. don't worry about my Ilamaz, I'm doing fine no, no, no. maybe you think you're doing fine but to Rav Aaron Kotler you're not doing fine you're dying to Rav Aaron who who is a master of the soul who understood a person's neshama needs Kaira, needs mitzvahs to be happy I'm worried about your Alamhaza. and that's why I'm telling you you have to learn more that's what it means, the Bo'hem. The Torah is giving us a secret. The Torah on this week's parasha is whispering in our ear the secret to life. So many people are waiting for that secret to life. What's the secret to life? What's the secret to life? The Torah is telling us in this week's parasha in two words. The Bo'hem. You want to enjoy life. You want to really know what life is. You want the secret to life. You have to look at the Torah and the mitzvah. Don't think that Torah is death. Don't think Torah is being condemned to a dungeon and doing things against your will without a gishmah. But I'll do it for God. No. The Chai You have to change that knob in your brain that thinks that Tyra and Yiddish Chai is, is really dark and, and ancient and antiquated and archaic. You have to turn off that knob and switch it on to a Chai mode. This is a life. I'm lucky. I'm a Yid. People that are Balichuva, I think could give this Shmuz a lot better than I. Because people that are Balichuva have seen both sides. And so they are credible witnesses to attesting to that what I say is true. I, Baruch Hashem, for better or for worse, I am from from birth, went to Yeshiva throughout my life, and so I can't really tell you, I'm not saying that I was a, you know, a Boy Scout my whole life and I never did anything wrong, but I could tell you that on the whole I was, you know, I was I was like you. But if you speak to Baliksuba as much as they did, and many of them could tell you all the things that they did, but they said that my life was really incomplete. I felt this empty feeling inside until I started doing taira Mitzvahs Learning taira, performing Mitzvahs That's when I felt something inside start to take root. And that's the secret to life, the chaybam, to know. Stop looking at Yanom and thinking, he has a life, he has a life, he has a life. We could have a life also. We just have to do exactly what we're doing, but do it with a passion. And make it our living. So many people say, you know, what do you do for a living? I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm an accountant, I'm an investment banker. That's not what you do for a living. That's not your living. That's what you do for a livelihood. That defines your living. What do I do for a living? Taira mitzvahs. Yaina Navi, the Briskara points out, said this. Yaina was on the boat with all those sailors. Chazal say it was from Shimon Mosheilim. 70 sailors on the boat, each one representing another. Abay Zara, another ummah. And they asked him, Ma malachtacha. What do you do? What's your work? What's your occupation? What did he say? He said, I'm a, I'm a professional prophet. He says that I'm a professional carpenter. What, what, what did to say? What was the answer to that question? How do you answer when somebody says, Ma'malach b'cha? He says, Ivrya na'echi. It would be a good song. Ivrya na'echi b'as <laughs> Hashem <laughs> ani... Ani... What? Every I'm a Jew. That's what I do. My malacha, my occupation, my living, is I'm a yid. What I do for for occupation, for, for to make a money, who cares? It's not important. <coughs> it's not important. When I was in the perm shack this year, so somebody was in the in, in the shack and, and he started speaking. A uh, palabayas that lives in my neighborhood, very very a person, but he was telling a he was telling a story of uh, an anecdote. And he said, he said, you know, he's in, in a certain occupation, whatever, let's say he's, a, he's not, but let's say it's a, he's a lawyer. So one guy that was shiker, a bacher that was shikr, he says, I don't care what you, what you do for a living, what are you learning at night, Seder? And it was a chutzpah to say that, but I was impressed by it, because it's true. What do you do? Who cares what you do? You're a doctor, you're a It's not important what you do. That's not your life. That's, that's not going to say on your matseva, I was in real estate. I was an architect. I was a, uh, you know, I was in, uh, I, I, I had a, an Amazon store. It's going to say whether you are a yid. You're a shamayim, bentaira, tzaka, chesed. That's what it's going to say on your matseva. Nobody judges you after you die. What do you do for a living? In this world, it's interesting what people do for a living. You meet somebody, what do you do for a living? I want to know. But what do I really do? For what should be my living? That's what I do for, that's my life. That's what I'm living for. That's what I'm going to die for. I'm going to... When we're able to create a life for ourselves by making things gishma by making a house mitzvah shem you're going to get married soon you're going to have children you're going to have a family you could do Shabbos as a balabas, as a I shouldn't say there's nothing wrong with doing a balabos but I'm saying like a a, a regular a regular Shabbos Regular Shabbos and you eat and you drink and you have all your into the food and into this and that. mirrors you do. Just Al-Bita sings mirrors. You know, and the kid Nebuchadnezzar has to bring out a Parsha sheet. Okay, you know, you ask him some questions, throw him some candy. Or, or you can make it Shabbistic. You can make it special. You can really infuse a Kedusha Shabbos in it. Yantif. Special. I'm living. I'm living this. This is what I do. This is my life. The Chaibrah Shayamasbram, don't look at it as death. Look at it as a life. Because in truth that's what it is. When people and I'll end with this, you know, I say this every time, you go on Chalamayid. You go to Great Adventure. Right? You have to go to Great as part of the in, I think it's in the Mishnabura. You have to go to Great Adventure in Chalamayid, And or you go to Disneyland, you go to Universal, wherever you're going. Personally, it's the most depressing places in the world. I've been to all of them, and I, I walk out. And I'm Amish like, uh, you know. First of all, it's a fortune of money you have to pay for all your kids and whatever tickets, and, and then you see these guy walking around with these like, you know, dinosaur legs chewing on it. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. And um, I'm Amish magill, it's like disgusting. And then I don't like roller coaster rides. So I just get nauseous watching the roller coaster rides. I just like at the end of the day, I'm like. Uh, but even let's say if I would get into it, let's say it wasn't forced fun, and I would really love roller coasters, bigishma. At the end of a chalumayit day, you come back and you're exhausted, you're you're broke, you're exhausted, and you're like you feel like. Eh. I think I mean that's just me. Maybe other people are different. That's me. But the days that I before I went on my chalumayit trip, I was able to put aside some time and learn. Whatever. i was able to carve out a little bit of my day and learn who's the best day. Why? Why can't I have a day that I just, you know, I'm just enjoying life? The answer is because your neshama is not getting satisfaction. You didn't have a vachay bayam. You thought that this was a life because you dreamt in your fantasy world if I could only go to great adventure, that would be a life. That's a gishma kachal day. It could be. There's nothing wrong with enjoying life a little bit, but it has to be with a large dose of ruchnias. because if it doesn't have ruchnias, it's just death. That's the secret to life. You want to have a life? You have to infuse life with Kedusha, because then the neshama is happy. A rock star doesn't know this, so he keeps on trying to get more gashnius, and as the Vilna Gain famously puts it in his letter to his family, the Garis Hagra, he says that Gashmius in this world is like a person on a boat who's thirsty and so thirsty that needs a drink, but there's no drinks on the boat, there's no pollen spring. So what does he do? He takes a cup into the water and he drinks the salt water, and it tastes good for a second. It tastes oh, I'm quenching my thirst. But what does salt do? It makes you much thirstier. Gashmias, he says, is the same thing. You're engaging in Gashmias, thinking that's satisfying. And for a second, it is. It is gishmak to have a moment of pleasure in whatever tchuna it may be. It is. Let's not deny that. But if you think that that's going to stop the Sahara from wanting more and more, it's not. Because the neshama is not satisfied. And if the neshama is thirsty then you will never have satisfaction. For when a person engages in activities of Ruchnias and lives it and loves it and breathes it, and then whatever you do in life, ruchnius, gashnius, it's fine, but you will have a life because your neshama is satisfied, your neshama's thirst is quenched in the most beautiful way possible. And this is the secret to life. <speaking in Hebrew> Mirza Hashem, we should all be to not just do taira mitzvahs, but to actually live taira mitzvahs. Have a good chance.